Welcome to February's edition of BBRO Beatcast. I'm Francesca Broom, your host and knowledge exchange manager for BBRO. This month we join growers Ed and Tom Hammond over in Newark. But before we start, I'm afraid I'm going to have to offer apologies to you all because the sound is not as good as I would like and it really doesn't do them justice. So hopefully they'll have me back and you will bear with us and still enjoy this edition. So it's a cold, wet, murky day outside and I'm very pleased to be in here in a lovely warm farm office with Ed and Tom Hammond. We're looking at the farm here in Newark. Well, welcome. We're farming about a thousand hectares in Nottinghamshire and we've probably got around about 250 hectares over in just north Lincolnshire in Gainsborough. But the main main hub is down in Newark and uh, over on the edge of Arnold in Notti- uh, on the edge of Nottingham. The yields that we've got um, from Gainsborough, which is on slightly it's on old warped land they've done close to 100 tonnes of a hectare what we've had lifted at the moment which was affected by the drought is down to about 65 tonnes to the hectare um, but we've still got I think about 45 hectares to have lifted down here yeah and being in the, the Trent Valley, um, are they fairly well protected? From drought. Well, from, from the frost, Fro- I was out yeah, there uh, now. Yeah, we, we we've probably had, in the last two weeks, probably, I think, three or four days at minus four. Hopefully things will soon warm up. And I know you often buy seed for that later harvest and from BTS and KWS, the main seed houses you use. But do you look for anything else other than sort of disease ratings when you're buying your seed? The uh, bolters as well, the bolter risk. With late harvest and early drilling campaign, how do you manage the on-farm hygiene and stopping the green bridging effect? We try and get lifted towards the end of March and we do put a lot of cover crops in, uh, generally in between as well, around the whole farm, which I think with the mixed species in and things like that, we are bringing more diversity to the farm rather than having a lot of fields traditionally where there was nothing grown on it whatsoever to allow for just that wildlife and beneficiaries and things like that to maybe have a bit more of a, a cycle. And I understand it's been, what, the last five years that you've introduced cover crops mm. to the farm? Yeah, yeah, we, we grow probably about, in the rotation on heavy land and light land, probably around about 350 hectares a year. And Tom, what was the ethos of going down the cover crop route? Uh, going down the cover crop route has uh, has been helped by a grant from Seven Trent, which uh, paid for a five-way flowering mix. One of our farms has got a borehole in, which has fallen into the water catchment area, and uh, change in drill has allowed us to go more direct drilling and has allowed more uh, a better spring cropping in the rotation so going back to spoil and hygiene i do understand that you normally um, take your spoil from clamps and tip it somewhere and maintain good hygiene with the use of glyphosate uh, it's none, none of it is returned back to the field except where we've had in the past or the mouse has been used and you use cover crops both before and after beet so if you're going to use them before beet how soon do you tend to spray them off before you drill we probably spray off a good four weeks before yeah. before yeah. we drill. Yeah, I'd say we, we certainly wouldn't mm. recommend that you leave it any longer than yeah. four weeks. Yeah. But uh, good to see. So, 
Tom, with, with that mix of cover crops, yep. has there been any impact on the actual soil? Uh, the soil has visually looked better. It does seem to retain its moisture because there's more, slightly more organic matter in the soil. It's yeah, it just seems a nicer way of farming. There seems seems to be more uh, biology, more earthworms there that are helping. We're getting there. Yeah, everything seems to work a little bit better and travel a lot better. I think we're, we're building our baseline up every time we come back around to some of our potatoes our baseline is up a little bit higher so Tom says we're going to have to cultivate at some point or do remedial cultivation or whether or not it's for the crop but we are staying at, at, um, at a different we're improving our level where we're starting from every year so. As the farm is becoming more environmentally aware I know you do mint-till um, do you reduce on the fungicides and aphicides used to? not had the seed dressing for the sugar beet um, cruiser dressing for the last well since it got banned and when we started to go down this this route um, and we're focusing more on nutrition early doors uh, little and often and focusing on the micronutrients sprayed for one fungicide haven't we um, on the beet but we haven't put any aphicides on and we've been reducing our nitrogen rate and trying to build it up that way but we have yeah with the nutritional aspects of stuff been trying to get a healthier plant been very lucky to to not have treated seed and not require an aphid do you still check for aphids though yeah 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 we yeah. still walk around um and keep an eye out for it probably one or two areas that might have had a bit of an issue but we haven't been as devastated Getting a good healthy plant stand will always help to mitigate the issues. So it all really comes down to the drilling and start of the year, doesn't it? We have been trying to do variable rate drilling um, through our drill and seeing how that goes and putting a maximum minimum in. It's very hard to quantify the gain from it and loss, but... I still think we need a lot more, a lot more work doing on it. Really. And are you varying within field, or are you varying to soil type? Uh, we're varying in, in field, soil yeah. type. Yeah. Introducing a more environmentally balanced system will have been quite a step change for the farm. What are you seeing as the impacts of that? Some of the things that we've seen have been more environmentally driven, but our average yield is probably increasing. On the cereal front, on the sugar beet front, I don't see, think we've seen a drop-off in our five-year average and we've been farming this way for the last two or three years. So we're quite confident that it's not everyone harp, harps on about yield. I think margin is king. A healthy crop at 70 tonnes a hectare rather than pumping a conventional crop to 85 tonnes a hectare, I think I'll be, long-term wise, I think I'll be better off. And it's also about sustainability. We, we don't yeah. know what the climate's going to throw at us. So using those cover crops must be a way of helping to mitigate those seasonal changes. Um, farming has, in the last 50 years, been very much driven down the commercial route. When you look at a farm, maybe this farm, uh, maybe 70 years ago, it was probably a lot more diverse in terms of animals and cropping and things like that. Uh, whether or not we have to go down that route to be a bit more diverse, we're producing more resilient crops that don't get affected by aerobic stresses like drought and um, heat and things like that. Yeah, I think we're open-minded. We want to. We want it to work this way. So, I think there's there's a lot of possibilities. I think the the biggest come on Achilles heel we've got is our potatoes. Sugar beet. Only 
at £19 a tonne, then that would have been a very questionable mm. uh, crop as well. It's a nice break crop from wheat, barley. It does work in our system. As you're paying such close attention to your soils, what kind of impact are you seeing from late lifting? We have done in the past, or are doing at the moment, can soon be uh, ruined by a harvester coming in. But hopefully our management uh, with that is allowed, which is one reason why we've not lifted for quite a while, because it's been too wet and it's going to cause too much damage. I know you did lift some early in the campaign to free up land and you've still got some to lift which you're hoping to leave to right the end of the campaign. It has allowed us to get wheat in on the direct drill scenario and also in the back end, depending on what the conditions are like, we have in the past just almost come out straight out the field with a beet harvest and gone straight in with a drill and just drilled, drilled direct into, it, into the yeah. beet stubble effectively. You've mentioned a new cross slot drill that you share with a neighbour. How does that help? Uh, and that's given us the ability to kind of like be as versatile in our approach as we possibly can. Uh, we still haven't got rid of our old Vardastat drill because with the potatoes and things like that, it works quite well with that. And um, it has stood the system for quite a long time. Of running a drill like that, well, a lot of the time you can broadcast a cover crop on uh, a little bit of a tillage, um, cultivating system which does just take that two inches off and help with establishment so yeah we went down the cross lot route and yeah i understand you've also added a liquid kit to get the crop off to a really good start um what about other nutrients and foliar feeds do you use any of those we are putting a lot of molasses on and a lot of humic acids on and um coupling that with the nitrogen as well and doing the amendments with soil, yeah. with sulphur and things like that. Of course, the best input you can have is water. And I do understand that you irrigate quite a bit of the farm. I think we applied it to everything we can get water to quite speedily because uh, we do a bit of trickle irrigation on the potatoes. We, it does free up machines now and again. So it's probably 30, 30 hectares out of it. Yeah, I'd probably say about two thirds of, yeah. of what we did at Morton. Were there any issues on the areas that you couldn't irrigate? That we had a bit of internal rots on the beet that didn't get irrigated. How many hectares are you hoping to grow and what varieties are you going for for 2023? Well, yeah, we are sticking with the same B- BTS varieties, uh, pushing forward. We are trying the um, two boxes of Marushka yeah. um, just to see how that works and where we get to with that because even though the, the variety isn't great at yielding, I do think long-term-wise... these things are going to grow and I think learning the system before we put the whole farm down into a system like that we'll we'll get to understand it a lot better Um, treat with the the actual Irish yellows but it it does actually go with uh, beet mild and possibly a little bit of beet crosses so worth worth a try and it's it's quite good on well it's okay on uh, rust isn't it and um, uh, leaf spot as well We will leave the Hammonds there, and again, I apologise for the sound quality of this month's Beatcast. But just a reminder, we've talked about on-farm hygiene. Please do keep an eye out on your farm, particularly for remnants and regrowth. 
being extra cautious if you are growing Conviso beet because we certainly don't want to have herbicide resistant beet in the UK. If you'd like to hear more about soil health or any of the issues covered, then please do make sure you join us for Beet Tech 23. That's on the 7th of February in Newark and the 9th of February at Newmarket. Details on the website www.bbro.co.uk forward slash events. Basis points have not yet been received for this podcast, so you'll get a double whammy next month. Thank you for listening. Thank you.